Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. We've got fish in the fridge. We're here with Kate Haskins of Hooked Seafood in Latham, New York. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And my first question has to do with tilapia fish. I've heard some people say that it's bad. Some people say that it's good. Um, I've heard that it's worse than bacon. Um, (laughs) And I've also heard that you can't. I I didn't know that either. And um, I've heard that it is not found in the wild. Are any of those things true? Yes. So um, tilapia is predominantly farmed. I don't know of any wild tilapia varieties. And it is full of omega-9s. So omega-3s are the ones that you want to eat, are the ones that are good for you. Omega-9s you want to avoid. So um, I have read in, you know, certain publications that eating it in big amounts can kind of lead to cardiac trouble. Um, I don't carry it at my store. Um, We just, it's not something that we're yeah. super pumped to carry. I noticed on um, your website there was nothing with no, tilapia, we never so do. I figured I'd ask. People really like it because it's it's super mild. You can do anything with it, but it's not like a haddock or a cod where it will fall apart. It kind of stays together, so people will, like, you know, bread it, and kind of it's a really good avenue to kind of get your kids to eat fish, I guess. Um, but it's definitely not one of the best varieties out there. So what happened? Did it just get overfished, and now they just Um, You know what? I don't know if it was ever even, like, a real like wild variety that was like hand caught I, I mean everything I've ever seen it's farmed um, and it's 90% of the time it's farmed in like Costa Rica or in Ecuador which doesn't have to be a bad option but it certainly yeah. can be so it, and I think it's just you know it's super economical and it's kind of available everywhere as far as big box it freezes well it's just kind of a really great option for like a big box grocery store to to carry so it's the McDonald's of fish, what right. you're saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what do you say to customers that come in and want, ask um, for it? We just try and guide them in the direction of something that would be similar, like, you know, a haddock or a cod or um, sometimes we carry fluke or we'll carry different kinds of sole. So those are all mild white fish. We have one right now called cobia, um, another fish called corvina. So there's a lot of options if you're looking for something that's, you know, mild um, white fish and that you can kind of be versatile, cook it in different ways. So is that something that someone like me who doesn't eat fish, if we went out on a date with our partner or something and came to the store, is that something we would probably be told to order? Yeah, I mean, we have quite a few people that are like, I don't eat fish, so, you know, I'll just eat my husband's french fries or whatever. (laughs) And because we're in the open air market, you can get food from a bunch of other places. Um, But there's certainly... A few varieties of fish that, you know, if you're willing to try it, I think are a really great option. Plus, the thing is, like, most of the fish, because we're landlocked, right, is, like, not great quality around here. So Mm -hmm. it is fishy, and it doesn't always have the best flavor. So when you get something that's a little higher quality, better done, it doesn't taste like, you know... A fish stick. So ha- like a halibut is so buttery and really indulgent. And I mean, we have a couple of customers that feed it to their kids and tell them it's chicken tenders and they never know the difference. <laughs> um, we have Mako shark right now. Wow. We sent it home with a customer and she sent me a text message and said, did you sneak pork chops into my box? Because this <laughs> tastes like pork. And it really does. So it's kind of just you have to pick the right variety. My dad says fish is a butter delivery system, basically. Yeah, that's how we get into system. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Um, 
it's funny because he doesn't like fish and yeah. I love fish. <laughs> Any sort of fish, seafood, anything. We go to Myrtle Beach every year. And this past year, uh, my daughter had crawfish for the first time. And although that's a shellfish, not a fish fish, the whole experience was just really exciting for her. And yeah. we're just so used to it. But one thing that we I don't do, and I don't know if it's an old wives' tale, I wanted to see if you can confirm this. People have said not to microwave fish to reheat it. That you should, if you're going to reheat it, to heat it up in the oven, don't put it in the microwave because it does something to the fish. Um, I mean, I wouldn't do it just because I don't think it's a good practice because I think it will really affect the texture and the taste. I don't think it's going to hurt you by any means. Um, but when you overcook fish, you might as well just trash it because, <laughs> you know, it's just not. It's Rubber? not. Yeah. And it's got so much water content that it's really easy to overcook it. So, um, you know, if you have a piece of fish that's left over, definitely I would recommend like putting a little foil over it and heating it up in the oven. But it is what it is. It's just not a great thing to reheat like, you know, chicken would be. But um, and there's certain varieties that um, I like just as good room temperature. Like if I have leftover salmon that I cooked, I'll just eat it right out of the fridge like that instead of heating it up. But that's obviously preference based. So. And what about shellfish? And the Is microwave. That the same. Well, does shellfish have a shorter shelf life? Uh, it depends as far as like what you're talking about. So like the fish that we carry, we keep for three days and then it goes into our freezer and we repurpose it in soups. Um, it would probably be good on the fourth day. It'd probably be fine on the fifth day, but it's just not the best quality. So we don't do that. Um, the shellfish has a little bit longer. So we do a raw bar. So oysters, rule of thumb, you can eat a uh, raw oyster after 14 days that it's been harvested. We what? never have them that long. Um, ours go, <laughs> ours go, you know, four, five days, six days tops that we have them in-house before they're gone. But um, my recommendation as far as that goes is wherever you're buying shellfish from, ask to see the tags. You might get, um, you know, they might not love to show you that, but it's a law that they have to keep the tags for 90 days. And it's important. You're putting it in your body. And if you eat old shellfish, it will make you sick. So um, I would definitely recommend, you know, if you're going to a place where you're just not sure and you want to get some clams or some raw oysters to just say like would you hey would you mind if i look at that tag to see the harvest date and make sure that that harvest date is within a week this goes to uh eating raw fish like you mentioned the tuna in there. Mm -hmm. how thin is the margin for getting that correctly prepared so the sushi grade is not actually regulated by anyone so it's it's right i know and that's the, <laughs> that's totally an appropriate face to make it's um no one ever comes to you know a like a wholesaler where we buy from or comes to us and says like what is sushi grade it's basically the vendor telling you that this fish was caught the right way it was dispatched the right way it's been handled the right way it's been held at the right temperatures in order for you to eat it sushi grade so um we work really really closely with the vendors that we buy from in boston and we make sure that what we're buying is in fact sushi grade there are a lot of varieties that you can have sushi grade um so farmed salmon as long as it's farmed correctly so like our faroe island salmon is sushi grade our ahi tuna is always number one so number one just denotes quality so that's the best um, the best quality tuna that they have. 
We have uh, blue marlin quite a bit, which is a sushi-grade fish, and it's a lot more economical than a fish like tuna. Um, and so, and there's a bunch of different varieties, but that goes back to, again, having trust in the person that you're buying your fish from. And you can tell when you look at it, and it shouldn't have any scent. So that's another thing. I mean, you know, we have a lot of customers that in the beginning when they first started shopping with us would say, can I smell that? Can I smell that? I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> if you do, you have something to hide. So yeah. it's definitely an appropriate question to ask. What is the most expensive fish for people to, like, for you to buy, for them um, to fish? Usually the most expensive is, like, a wild salmon in the beginning or at the end of the season because the supply is that much smaller. So when the um, wild varieties first started becoming available this past year in, like, April or May, we didn't bring them in right away because we would have had to charge upwards of, like, $37, $38 a pound for it. Wow. Um, and and there's people that will pay it. There certainly <laughs> are. But I wasn't willing to take the risk That's on it right away. That's a special occasion price for me. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime steak dinner there <laughs> right so you know now the wild coho that we have is um is significantly less expensive than that so it's kind of seasonality and then there are certain varieties that are just always pricier halibut is always a more expensive fish so is the tuna is pretty much always one of the costlier ones the wild striped bass usually is more expensive it's you know goes right back to supply and demand what people really want and how much there is because there's a lot of uh, requirements of how much they can and can't catch. So that okay. feeds into it. I was just thinking like the Faroe Islands and how the oceans up there can be quite uh, angry from time to time. I don't know if that affects anything or not. It does. And there are certain times where we can't get our hands on it. Um, you know, they can't, I mean, it's farmed, so it's a, a little easier for them. Yeah. So they're not like out there on a boat <laughs> yeah. rod and reel catching it. But even, you know, getting it flown over can be an issue we do run into it from time to time where we're not able to get our hands on it and then you know we wind up with an option that's still responsibly farmed we'll use we'll bring in a norwegian salmon um so it's still done right it's still really good product it's just not our favorite i've seen on menus all across when you're in any seafood restaurant or ordering seafood there are some things that have a price and there's some things that have just the market mm -hmm. value how is that determined so those, um, we have a few options like that on our menu, our lobster rolls and our whole belly clams, our market price, everything else, we have a base price. So everything else is, it fluctuates a good amount. And there's times where our profit margins on those aren't great. And there are times when they're a lot better. But like the lobster market is horrible to kind of judge and to anticipate. You know that from January to March, it's going to be really difficult to get your hands on and the prices are going to skyrocket. We know that come September, October, November, the prices should go down a little bit, but we don't want to put a set price on our menu because then at the, there's going to be a point where we're going to say, we can't even serve it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing with the or those whole belly clams. That's a huge, huge thing on the Cape. So there's been times where we can't even get them because they get first crack at it and they'll buy it all. So, um, <laughs> yeah. and that's another option where we have to keep it market priced, but it's really just how much that particular variety fluctuates. So it's each individual restaurant that determines that it's not like there's some overarching foundation or something that says, okay, well, this is the market price. No. And I mean, that's also goes into how you want to do your business and how you want to market your place and set up your menu. I mean, it probably would have been smarter for us to do everything market price, really, because it does fluctuate quite a bit. And we probably would have been able to keep our margins, you know, where they need to be a little tighter. But it's just it was not really great practice for us to do because when you're first opening, you want to get your name out there, you know, to 
give a menu to somebody and be like, hey, check this out. But guess how much that is? <laughs> you know, like you want to give people as much information as we could. So that's kind of how we set it up. But there's definitely some restaurants that I would say probably don't have a price on on their seafood ever, you know, and they just kind of change it as it comes in. Just spin the wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Name your own price. No, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> My wife loves the lobster bisque from a certain restaurant in Provincetown. Most people that have been there probably know which one. Um, where would you say your favorite lobster bisque is from? Um, I used to work at 677 Prime downtown, and their lobster bisque is, even though we're landlocked and we're in Albany, <laughs> some of the best I've ever had. Um, and probably just as expensive as driving all the way to Provincetown. And probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the more cream, the more butter, the more sherry you put in it, the better it is. Um, and so that's kind of, that was my favorite I've ever had. Is that like a sort of like a comfort food? Kind of? yeah. It looks like it. I haven't had it, but it looks like more of like a comfort food. It is. And it's so labor intensive too. That's why it's so expensive. It's not just the lobster. It's just, it's it's a lot of work that goes into making it. Yeah, we found the, uh, actually we were staying in, on the Cape in Brewster. They had a general store and they actually had that restaurant's book of recipes. So it was the day after my wife had had it. She was like, oh, I got to buy this book, get home. And the recipe was just like ridiculous and we still haven't made it yet yeah it's, it's definitely it's intense i mean i i will probably most likely we will never have it at hope seafood because it's just <laughs> i don't You're know gonna hire someone so just for many, lobster exactly bit. how many ingredients are in it then it's not really a whole ton of ingredients it's just that if you actually really do it from scratch where you have the whole lobsters and you you know so, i mean there are certain recipes where once they take all the meat out of the shell you really grind the shell through like a food food processor and then you strain it yeah it's mm. a lot of work and but that's how you get all the flavor out of it but i mean that's why it's is there any way to get like some of the steps done if you want to make it at home like an easier way yeah i mean you could certainly buy you know lobster meat that's you know, been previously frozen. That's the meat that we carry. You just have to be picky about the varieties. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all different kinds of lobster meat. So you can get like tail, knuckle, claw. You can get claw, knuckle, leg. You can get just leg meat. So if you're going to do something like that, you can just get the um, cheaper cuts of the lobster, the parts of it. Um, and then, you know, it's really just butter and um, a tomato paste, oddly enough, which I never knew that hmm. that was in it, but that's what gives it that red color. Most people think it's from the lobster meat. Um, and then the, you know, the cream and um, tarragon, usually a little bit of lemon and uh, most places do it with a uh, sherry vinegar. Do a lot of people ask for it? We have a lot of people that come in and ask for lobster bisque and New England clam chowder. Um, <laughs> and those are two things that we pretty much never have <laughs> um so i mean we do get a lot of requests for it okay. so what's the difference between new england and manhattan chowder new england is the white the cream and the manhattan clam chowder is the red oh okay. the tomato based one hmm did not know that yeah reminds me of ace ventura that's, <laughs> that's a different show <laughs> do you have any funny fish stories to end us on i forgot to tell you beforehand oh that's your gosh funny story. I'm sure I do. We should play the Jeopardy tune while <laughs> yeah, we think about I it. I know. Uh, I'm not sure if they would allow us to. Um, Maybe if we kept it under 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, not particularly from the store. I mean, I was telling uh, Ray earlier, I, my husband and I years ago went on a um, deep sea fishing trip in uh, New Hampshire, and I got it for him for his birthday present, and it was a 12-hour marathon, uh, which I thought sounded like it would be fun but I was envisioning like a bar car and like you know I don't know and uh, it wound up not being that at all and it was um we were soaked from 
shoulders down within the first 30 seconds. And oh, my God. I kept catching everyone's line underneath the boat, which evidently if you fish a lot, you know what that feels like. And I just thought it was a fish. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we came home with a lot of fish. We had a good time. So, But I definitely looked like an amateur when we pulled up there. Was there any seasickness or anything? No, we didn't get seasick. But we just, I mean, when we pulled up, everybody ha- looked like Gordon Fisherman with like the <laughs> rubber yeah. overalls. And we were like jeans and hoodies oh no these people exactly (laughs) well you live you learn yes Mm -hmm. now they can come eat at your restaurant yes absolutely (laughs) well thank you so much for being on i appreciate it thank Thank you you. that was katie haskins of hooked seafood company find them at hookedseafoodinc.com this has been food friday leftovers i'm ashley kinsey and i'm dave hopper Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jim Laboulis. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.